Good morning. Greetings to you from the comfort of my home and in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, like you, I'm sitting at home and hopefully, like me, you've got your favourite refreshments in front of you. Mine's a latte. Cheers. Today we continue our journey through Mark's Gospel. We're looking at chapter four today and we're going to be exploring the first 34 chapters. For those that are not familiar with the scriptures, the Mark's Gospel is in um, the New Testament. So uh, it's in, uh, early on, it's after the Gospel of Mark, uh, Matthew. And it's the shortest of all the Gospels. And it's an action-packed Gospel. One of the reasons I chose it uh, was because of how it gets into the um, centre of who Jesus is, the purpose of Jesus, and how we can... Uh, all engage uh, as we follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for joining us if you are new. Uh, thank you for joining us if you are not new. My name, for those that do not know it, is Pastor Brian. I am the minister, the new minister of Breton Baptist Church. So let us look into the scriptures. The uh, title for this is the parables of the kingdom or parables that make us grow. What does it mean to be a healthy person a healthy child of God a healthy follower of Jesus Christ a healthy Christian healthy spirituality so we're going to look at parables and it uh, I want to start off with sharing a parable with you a parable that I've shared I can't remember how many times I share this parable mainly at funerals where people don't necessarily have a Christian faith as I would understand it uh, I heard this recently at a staff meeting uh, where we have devotions and this particular staff session was on well-being. And Jane Pope told this story and it made me smile because it's a story that I, I've told endless times. It's a wonderful story and I hope you get something from it. And it goes like this. One day while travelling through the forest, a wise old teacher stumbles upon this precious stone. It's a beautiful day and the sun was shining in and on this stone was covered in mud and dust. But he could see as the sun shone on it, uh, some glimmer or, or, or reflection from this dirty, dusty stone. As he brushed it off, the dust and the dirt, he noticed it was a precious jewel and it was radiant a beautiful sapphire color and uh, he put it in his bag for safekeeping and continued on his journey unbeknown to him was a stranger not too far from him who witnessed this the stranger decided to uh, approach the wise old teacher and demanded that he handed the stone over to him immediately with that the uh, the, the the wise teacher Without hesitation or question, hands him back, hands over to him the, the, the precious stone. With that, the, the stranger, seeing the wealth and security that this stone would give him for the rest of his entire life, rushes off in absolute delight. Only to return after a few days in search of the wise old teacher. As he approaches the wise old teacher, he hands him back 
the precious stone. He says, now give me that which enabled you to give me the stone in the first place. See, the wonderful thing about gifts is that they're never greater than the giver. Now, that would allow me to open up the Christian perspective of how God is a God of good gifts, who is the giver of all good gifts. And I would then open up this whole idea of how we are God's gift to each other. I noticed that this captivated my audience. No matter what setting it was, I had a captivated audience. Why? Not because I'm a great storyteller, but I'm not by any means, but because the story spoke something to them. And that's what parables do. I don't know if you remember as a child um, getting bedtime stories. I, I can't remember a time when I had a bedtime story. I'm sure I did, but I never remember them. But as a father, I remember telling my children bedtime stories. Now, I am not a great storyteller. Um, nevertheless, my children wanted their dad to read. Now, I wasn't a great reader. June has always been a better reader than I. I've uh, since learned I was never one for books as a child until I became a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's just my story. Uh, and um, my children would ask me to read story. I wasn't good at reading from a book, so I'd make my stories up. And now my stories were wild, crazy, made up on the spot. And I had to use my imagination in order to build this story. My children seem to love it. Why do they love it? One, because it is made up. Two, because there is something about a message for them in there. And most of the time they were in the story and they were waiting for a moment that their entrance into the story came. It was the highlight of that uh, story. Stories have a powerful way of inviting us to enter in to the reality of what's going on and into the secret message. We're always waiting. As you turn a chapter in a book, you're left hanging on the cliff for the for the answer for the unveiling of what's being built up to and Jesus does this constantly and Mark unpacks this significantly more than any other chapter apart from chapter 13 he spends more time on chapter 4 and chapter 13 explaining the teachings of Jesus more than any other part of these scriptures and this particular uh, account um, of the parables has one in it that is very specific to Mark. As said last week, Mark is one of the major sources for all the other gospels and he's got certain um, accounts in there that is not recorded in the other gospels. This got me thinking onto how did those people learn before we came, became a very literate society? It hasn't been that long since the common people have had the privilege of an education. Prior to reading and writing for the average person, um, pictorial learning or oral transmission of um, things, education, uh, stories, uh, whatever you wanted, uh, that's how people learnt. And I got thinking about um, how people learn the Bible in churches. And for a, a long period of time, it would have been stained glass windows. I don't know if you've ever gazed at st stained glass windows, but I'm going to invite you 
now as we continue um, to enter into the accounts of Jesus and the parables told of the kingdom of God to help us grow as Christians, to view a selection of stained glass windows where you are able to just sit and watch and learn it's going to be accompanied with a bit of music so you can listen as well but try to listen to what you can't hear in the parable maybe you want to challenge yourself and try to see how many of these 12 um, images through stained glass windows of parables that you can identify with and yeah just read the story hear the story enter into the story let your imagination take you through the glass windows. I can only imagine what it will be like when I walk by your side. I can only imagine what my eyes will see when your face is before me I can only imagine Surrounded by your glory To my knees will I fall, will I sing hallelujah, will I be able to speak at all, I can only imagine, I can only imagine, I can only imagine when that day comes.
I hope you enjoyed that and I hope you managed to capture some if not all of the parables. Art was, is, continues to be a major way of communicating, of transmitting uh, many stories, many um, scenarios as it was in the scriptures as it is today. Jesus will use all kinds of methods to get the message of the kingdom of heaven across. I, as I say, I'm a visual learner. I like to watch and learn, listen and partake. I've become a stronger reader now since following the Lord and having a hunger to discover the secret messages of the kingdom of heaven because it gives me the qualities of what it means to be human, what it means to be a child of God and what it means to have purpose in the world. So we're going to listen to that chunk of scripture that we're going to explore today. Uh, chapter four of Mark's Gospels, verses one to 34. And I invite you to allow yourself to enter in to the parables and to try to work out where you fit in his story. That is Jesus' story. Jesus reminds us that... Um, Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. This video reading uh, comes as a video, as mentioned. It has the scripture coming up on the screen and it has the scripture verbally um, shared. So whichever style of learning you prefer, hopefully it ticks all of our boxes. So, as Jesus said, whoever has ears to hear, let them Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it out on the lake while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. He taught them many things by parables and in his teaching said, Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places, where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow, but when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants, so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, some 100 times. Then Jesus said, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. When he was alone, Twelve and the others around him asked him about the parables. He told them, The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to those on the outside, everything is said in parables so that they may be ever seeing but never perceiving, and ever hearing but never understanding, 
Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. Then Jesus said to them, Don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path, where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others, like seed, sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seed sown among thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seed sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop, some thirty, some sixty, some a hundred times what was sown. He said to them, Do you bring in a lamp to put it under a bowl or a bed? Instead, don't you put it on its stand? For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed, and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. If anyone has ears to hear, let them hear. Consider carefully what you hear, he continued. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and even more. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. He also said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain. First the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. Again he said, What shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Or what parable shall we use to describe it? It is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all seeds on earth. Yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants, with such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. With many similar parables, Jesus spoke the word to them as much as they could understand. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. But when he was alone with his own disciples, he explained everything. So the first parable is the biggest chunk of this text, 20 verses. Mark takes a lot of time to uh, share this and, and unpack this. And Jesus and puts a, a huge challenge on us on uh, these parables because he often says uh, parables that people are confused about and then he takes a group a, 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 to one side and he unpacks this and uh, we're going to touch on that in a little while but um, sometimes parables have a, a mystical um, awe about them that leaves people wondering what on earth are they talking about? I remember uh, somebody from a previous church, a friend of mine, never became a member of the church, but a very intellectual man, 
came to visit me <clears throat> midweek after one service to um, share his concerns with me regarding the service on Sunday gone. And uh, whilst in my kitchen and having a, a drink, he says, Brian, um, I didn't get anything from Sunday. I don't believe God was there at all. I apologise profusely because I was the preacher. Um, and he goes, oh, no, 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 backpedalling. He says, uh, no, your sermon, I thought it was really good. But everything else, the worship, the leading, uh, everything else about it, the person, particularly at the front, was there for their own glory. And I said, oh, I, I'm sorry, I didn't particularly pick that up. Um, but what do you mean? He goes, well, I, I didn't feel fed in, in that at all. I, I couldn't help thinking that this person was just wanting the, the platform, the stage to project their own voice. And, and they seemed to like to hear their own voice. He goes, God just wasn't there. And he posed a parable to me uh, that he made up himself, knowing that I was a milkman prior to getting involved in um, Christian circles and ministry. He posed this um, interesting parable saying something like, you're a milkman, you've been a milkman, Brian, you deliver milk to your customers, that which they, they ask for, that which they know is good for them. And one day you deliver something completely different, say for argument's sake, an orange juice, which is not what they want. I thought that parable had a huge amount of flaws, but anyway, I went with it. And he goes, how do you think they're going to react? So I said, let me pose this parable to you. You've been attending church all your life. And you've experienced some really difficult services that you didn't like. You get to heaven and lo and behold, it's the same service. What are you going to do? Stay or go? And he smiled. And I said, look. I don't know how to explain the presence of God, where he is. I believe he's everywhere. How to explain that is a challenge and could be very subjective to all. But let me pose this to you. On Sunday, for the very first time, a young mum with her children came to church. She was visiting one of our members, staying with her, a best, best friend. And that lady never been to church before and didn't believe in the Lord until Sunday. She gave her life to Jesus during the worship. Tell me, how do we know where God is? How do we know what the presence of God feels like? And he admitted that uh, maybe he got it wrong. Humbly, he recognised that perhaps he wasn't in a good place. The challenge is, is how well are we listening? For Jesus said in verse 2, he taught them many things by parables and in his teaching, he said to them, listen. Whether you enjoy a particular style of service or a particular style of message or even the content of the message. What are you listening for? What are you hoping to gain? What does it mean for you and I to be fed well spiritually and in the knowledge of God's wonderful message of life. Life now and life eternally. 
because these parables of the kingdom of heaven are to help us to remember that God has got something amazingly more for you and me. Stories are to be listened to. Good storytellers guide our minds to imagine what we can see and know and feel and experience and encounter. How we can enter in to the story. How much of it relates to us and how can we see not just what the storyteller is sharing, but the other hidden treasures of that story. Consider this part of the passage, which is a really challenging one. When he was alone, Jesus took the 12 and others around him and and they asked him about the parables and he told them, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to those on the outside, everything is said in parables so that they may be ever seeing but never perceiving and ever hearing but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. What's that about? Surely we want people to be forgiven. That's um, that, on to know that they've been forgiven. For Jesus died on the cross and said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Surely this is what we want people to know so that they can recognise their distance of God. But in this passage, passage, it appears that Jesus is saying, we're hiding a message from some of these people because they don't deserve it. Then Jesus said to them, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? Now, this is probably one of those challenging passages that we, we need to delve deeper into the understanding. It, it remains um, a, a challenge for any of us to get into the heart and mind of that culture, that time. You almost have to somehow understand Middle Eastern life and Middle Eastern um, cognitive uh, uh, process. N.T. Wright, Tom Wright, um, says a wonderful thing about this. Uh, and it's a challenge because obviously we believe wholeheartedly that when you share the word of God, it has, it has the potential of transforming lives, but it also has the potential of getting into the wrong hands and the people using it for the wrong motives. So what is this really saying? Is it saying we don't want it, the certain people to hear the gospel? No, not really. Jesus uh, is at a time where he knows his destiny, his purpose on earth and his destiny for glory. And that is not a pleasant journey. And he knows that if um, Imperial Rome and the Herodians uh, really get the, the recognize and acknowledge the power of God's word they will probably undoubtedly use it for their own glory which means the vulnerable and the innocent will suffer. So N.T. Wright um, invites us to uh, a wonderful um, sort of um, opportunity of understanding this parable and he says this Parables, parables are like dreams in search of meanings. This is a story about how the word of God produces fruit. Parables are like coded messages. When you crack them, you know the answer 
and you know the secret. Why did Jesus appear to be so secretive about parables, he says? Because the deeper meaning was so explosive. Some people are not to be trusted with such secrets. In Jesus' time, in this account, the time was not ready for the full explosion of the news of the kingdom of heaven. See, this, this idea of what the kingdom of God looks like it is mind-boggling. It's beyond our wildest imaginations. And I, I, and I believe that God dares us to dream big dreams because, you know, dreams can't be quarantined. Like we are physically quarantined, like it appears we're under house arrest. Whether you believe or don't believe, it feels something like being under house arrest. You are not under arrest for dreaming God's dream for the world, God's dream for yourself. And this is the one of the purposes of parables. God wants you to dream the dream that he has for you. And he says, you are part of my dream. Come and be a part of my dream. Jesus is fully aware of the power of the message of the kingdom of God and that in the wrong hands it has the potential of genocide and Jesus wants to protect us from that. Even Gandhi recognises the power of God's word. He says this, you Christians look after a document containing enough information or enough dynamite, he says, to blow all civilization to pieces, turn the world upside down and bring peace to a battle-torn planet. But you treat it as if it's the, as it, as you treat it, let me read this, you, you treat it as though it is nothing more than a piece of literature. Sorry, getting carried away there. So the word of God is like dynamite dynamite that has the potential of wrecking the world or transforming it to the glory God sees in it. How do you use God's word, the story of God? Where do you fit in in the story of God? Let's move on to verses 21 to 25, parable of the lamp. Do you bring in a lamp to put it under a bowl or a bed? Instead, don't you put it on its stand? Now, once you get the secret messages of God, the sower of the seed scattering the word, if it falls on a rocky ground, a rocky path, a concrete path, um, it's like the birds just come and snap it, snatch it up. The devil just rips it away from you. You don't even let it go in. And then there's the one where it falls through the cracks and the, and the, and, and the sort of thin soil and it grows up very quickly, but the, it grows up so quick the sun scorches it because it's got no shade. Um, it's like getting the message and going, wow, that was amazing, and then just letting it go nowhere. Or um, the seed that gets scattered around the edge of the field, uh, which gets among the thorns and the thistles and the brambles and it gets choked. It's a bit like, um, that's a bit like us um, being a Christian for a long time, 
most of our life, going to church, going to Bible study um, and being among Christian friends. But actually, it does really nothing for us. Um, we wouldn't miss it if we weren't attending or being a part of that. Um, the woes of the world just keeps overwhelming us and we put our trust in stuff and things other than God. Or the fourth scattering of the seed where it feel, falls on good soil. So there's four types of different soils. The soil that is healthy for us not only helps us grow in the in the understanding of what it means to be a child of God, what it means to be a human, what it means to be a part of God's big plan. It produces fruit. And when you discover something that is really good for your life, surely you want to share it, don't you? Surely you want to pass this on. You know, light shines in the darkness. One little light brightens up the whole room. If you walk into a dark room, do you stay in the dark or do you make some light, open the curtains? When you wake up in the morning and it's a sunny day and you open the curtains and the sun shines through, I don't know about you, but that makes me feel alive and I just want to go and enjoy life. Now, on a gloomy day, I'm like, oh, it's a bit dark today, isn't it? Now, life is a bit like that. We get a bit dark because there's darkness in us. But the light inside us, the seed that is planted inside us, we're all created in the image of God, of them, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. So the seed of Jesus is in us. The question we have to do, have we allowed it to be unlocked? Have we allowed ourselves to enter into the secret, hidden treasures of God to unlock that which God has invested in us? The light of Jesus inside us pushes the darkness back, the deception back, the delusion back. It pushes it all back and it tries to overcome it. But God is so generous and such a gentleman. He does not force it upon us. And he says, look, listen, stop, look, listen, learn and grow. My parables are there to help you grow in a healthy way. Body, mind, soul, spirit, psychology, socially, in every conceivable way. So don't let your light be hidden under a dirty old bucket. We receive the hidden messages of God when we allow ourselves to be exposed to the treasures that come from heaven. It brings uh, enlightenment, liberation of who we are and how we interact in the world. It pushes the darkness back and brings uh, an eternal um, hope and light that this world cannot offer. The next parable is the parable of the seed that uh, grows, verses 26 to 29. Because all healthy, healthy things grow. God is in the business of people, investing in people and helping people grow in the most healthiest way possible. I remember reading an article um, back in uh, 2006 or seven in a, in a, uh, newspapers. And it said, um, we are a healthier and wealthier people but not a happier people so physical health and wealth does not make us a healthy person i believe it is god that makes us a healthy person because this passage is it gives it gives the answer 
This is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up. The seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. When we receive the word of God, it starts to do something inside us. The spirit of God is moving most of the time without us realising. It's a bit like tectonic plates that are moving under our, our surface all the time. And the spirit of God is the same. Even when we don't feel like God is moving, he is doing something. The more we say, I want you, I need you, I need your word, I need the power of the Holy Spirit, I need to keep my eyes fixed on Jesus, I need to be around people that add value to my life, and I want to add value to their life, and I want to encourage them and spur them on. One of the things we could do well with doing regularly as a Christian to help us to understand how healthy are we as a Christian is to do this sort of um, regular spiritual MOT. The way I do that is threefold. I, I look back in my Christian journey of um, my morals, my values, my attitudes, my behaviour, my understanding, so my knowledge and who I interact with, what influences me. I do that I don't know how often, but I'd say it's a good thing to do annually at the very least. So can you identify some growth spurts in your relationship with Jesus? How do you know that you're growing? What are your benchmarks? What are your measurements? Where in your life are you witnessing the movement of God? So if you're not encountering God, then maybe there's something wrong maybe you're in the wrong places maybe you're in the wrong company maybe you're looking at the wrong stuff maybe you're reading the wrong stuff maybe your focus has been um, uh, on off track in what ways are you actively engaged in kingdom building you know one of the greatest ways of uh, community being built is when we come together and do things together and worship together it's very strange these times isn't it there's nothing greater than gathering together to worship as a body of the church. So look at how you are growing because healthy things grow. I believe that it's good for Christians to come together. Zoom has become a, a, a major platform for interacting and doing things uh, of community and the church is grabbing hold of this wholeheartedly. Two parts of scriptures that reminds me of how important it is for you and I to encourage one another, to build each other up, to be a part of our spiritual growth. Romans 1.12 says that is that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. That's one of the things that helps us grow. Proverbs 27.17 says as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. God puts us together for a reason and a season to help us grow, to help the church grow. So what passages do you hold on dear that helps you grow? How are you making sure that your health, spiritually, psychologically, cognitively, socially, emotionally, is getting the best out of what God is offering? Okay, so now we come to the final, um, fourth and final 
parable from this text. So we're on our home run, so to speak. Verses 30 to 34, parable of the mustard seed. What little faith we have will be huge enough for others to see. As it is God who grows your faith, all we have to do is let it grow. I don't want to get carried away and burst out into a song called Let It Grow, Let It Grow. Anyway, again, Jesus said, verse 30, What shall we say the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God is like? Or what parable should we use to describe it? It's an invitation to um, think of a parable, to make up a parable that's relative for today, for the context you're in, for the context of the people around you. Now, obviously, there's no parables in the Bible about computers, um, but we use that language today. We need a reboot. We need new software. We need a new hard drive. You can make a parable of any type that will bring home what God is trying to say, because God meets us right where we are. So we must meet each other right where we are, right, right where they are. Now, the mustard seed parable is a wonderful one because it is the smallest, as the Bible says, a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all seeds on earth. But yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants. Now, um, often we are excited about doing big gatherings and seeing hordes of people saved and, and give their life to Jesus and come to be a part of the greatest movement the world has ever known, the church. But it is more powerful when it is one to one, two to two in small groups where we gather together and discover what we can all share with each other of the kingdom of God that's been passed on to us. So together we scatter. Today, I believe there's no accident that we find ourselves scattered servants. I think this is a prophetic um, prophecy that's being fulfilled. We are forced to be where we are, but to be the shining lights where we are. God has prepared us for a time such as as this. So wherever you are, whatever you're doing, I, I invite you to think about writing up your own parable for the context of where you're trying to witness. Or maybe you need some um, inspiration for that. Well, then read um, the scriptures. And as you read one parable, try to put it in language that best suits you personally. And let that be a way of expressing yourself and how you are hearing God's word. See, God desires us to dream his dream, to see the future as he sees it. Seeing the future as God sees it is a wonderful enlightenment and brings us wholeness, healing and freedom freedom from this world, freedom from things that we're holding on to, freedom from the oppression and the demands and the expectations of the world around us. It can become costly because the word of God conflicts with the ways of the world. 
The word of God can bring division between his word and this world or his world and this world. Because God has a picture, a vision, a dream of a world without sin, without decay, without sadness, without brokenness, without darkness. And Desmond Tutu saw this right away through the apartheid. And he he challenges us to dream God's dream. He wrote a book about a future without forgiveness is no future. See, right at the beginning, the first parable talks about so that they will not be forgiven. There are some people that are bent on destroying lives, but they are in the serious minority. They may not ever want to discover the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. But if you are looking for life right here, right now, how your life will become more whole, more meaningful, more purposeful, maybe you need healing. Maybe you feel trapped, alone, locked, and you need to be set free. This is what the parables do. But it comes at a cost because you have to allow yourself to recognise where you are in the whole mystery of life and death. I said at the beginning, I share that story of the um, precious stone at funerals. In my last ministry, one of my biggest growth um, platforms were funerals. 10% of my church growth was due to me conducting funerals. A serious ministry there and I don't say that lightly and without any disrespect but people are looking for life when life feels like um, pointless. So a future without forgiveness this is something that Desmond Tutu saw unless we are on the level of receiving forgiveness from God and scattering forgiveness to all those that may well have hurt us or offended us in any way we will not see the dream God has seen for us see parables reveal the powerful heavenly resources like weapons of forgiveness for us to use to reach the vision of God the kingdom of God which helps us grow the kingdom of God is coming and it looks very different to what any of us can ever imagine. So whatever parable you have adds to the mystery of the kingdom of God. Parables are keys for unlocking the mystery, the wonder and the power of the kingdom of heaven. Parables invite us to enter into the ongoing eternal story. His story becomes our story and our history is filled with his story. We leave um, heavenly um, carbon footprints, spiritual footprints, treasures of heaven when we depart from here. Or whenever we've been somewhere and gone from that place, we leave carbon footprints of the kingdom of heaven. Parables help us grow spiritually, emotionally, cognitively and physically. Parables reveal the heavenly teachings that are relevant for our daily living. Parables open up the treasures of heaven, broadening our wildest imaginations, our perspectives of what heaven is. 
verse 33 and verse 34 as we come in to that conclusion. With many similar parables, Jesus spoke the word to them as much as they could understand. Please be careful how much you share with each other. Do not overwhelm or confuse each other. Do not push your agenda. Be gentle and humble in heart. Verse 34, he did not say anything to them without using a parable. But when he was alone with his disciples, he explained everything. Those that really come close to you, those that you are close to, you can share more with them. But parables are there to tease at our curiosity, dangle a carrot, let people come hungering, hungering for more. Don't give it all away because they might not be able to digest it. So my prayer for you is that God's story continues to be written into your story. But you have to give him permission. You have to allow the ink of the Holy Spirit to be written in your life. May you receive fresh parables that enable you to be scatters of his, scatterers of his word. May his word in you grow that others will see and receive him for themselves. May the parables of the kingdom of heaven be parables that make you grow healthy as an individual, as a child of God, in the family of God on this earth. Let us pray. Almighty God, Heavenly Father, we thank you that parables have the power to transform our lives, our families, our streets, our towns, our country, our world, your world. Lord, fill us afresh with more of your parables. Give us the confidence to continue on sharing the good news through the stories that you have passed on to us, that we are commissioned to pass on to others. Let your word do its work. Through us we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now, some of you may be thinking, um, what does the rest of that T-shirt say? So for those that have been thinking and been distracted by, I want to do to go jogging. But Proverbs 28, 1 says, the wicked run when no one is chasing them. Oops, let me get around it. So there's that. I've got quite a few religious T-shirts and I think I'm going to order some more because I know a geezer that can supply some. God bless you. Have a wonderful week.